Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass, stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Second show on sports radio here on Blog Talk Radio, backsportspage.com. To you and your significant other, a very happy Thanksgiving. That's the second time. Thanksgiving? It's not Thanksgiving. It's not Thanksgiving. It's Valentine's Day. A very happy Valentine's Day to you and your significant others, or happy socially aware single day. Because if you are single... (laughs) This is, the, this is the day that you are socially aware that you are single. So I have had many of those days in the past. I relish those days. Can Who I knows? say I miss those days, or is that wrong? What, sir? Am I allowed to say I miss those days, or is that wrong? Look, the grass is always greener on the other side, my friend. I think your significant other may say the same at some point. No, she thinks I'm perfect. She thinks I, she yeah. thinks I am perfect. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, let me be the first one to tell you there ain't nobody perfect in this world, including Seth. So but good for you that you found a girl that thinks that you're perfect. Next, next stop well, on her is the insane asylum. But she, she thinks that, I'm perfect. She thinks she thinks I'm perfect because she's not listening to the show. So oh, well, that's the only okay, reason I enough. can say that she thinks she's perfect. She's she on the other hand oh. is teaching right now while I host my radio show. Oh, I win. That, that makes her perfect. That makes her perfect. Yeah. So anyway, so tonight's show, look, we had the Bataels on last week. It was a great show. We had a great time. And we decided to do something very similar this week. We have a rundown. We actually have an idea as to what we're going to do before we get on the show. So novel concept for those that, that think that we do this every week. We don't. But from now on, we're going to try doing that. So this week, if you're in love with your significant other, are you in love with your owner? And by owner, I mean of your favorite sports team. So if you'd like to call in, 760-283-0846, 760-283-0846, are you in love with the owner of the sports team that you root for? And we'll give it a couple of minutes to, to start this topic up. Seth, College basketball in full swing right now. There's no pro bat. There's no pro football any, anymore. The Super Bowl is over. Baseball still in spring training, starting or just off. started spring training. Yeah, the NBA is what the NBA is. The hockey is the hockey, and and the trading deadline is coming about. But I did make a very astute observation. Said one person to me, so I did not say you, it was you, astute in my own mind. 
No, no, no. Okay. Somebody said it was an astute observation. From February 20th, which is next week, to March 20th, it is the best month of sports in the entire year. What do you think? Um, I don't really have much of an opinion on it. It's, it's a hard to gauge. It really depends on what your love is. If you're, if you are a diehard football guy, first and foremost, I don't think you can ever make that comment. As, well, if you're not, then if you're not. Well, hold okay. on a second. So you had NFL free agency that starts in the next two weeks. So what, so my assertion is based on the fact that you have hockey is in full swing and you have the NHL trade deadline on February 23rd. The NBA, Oh, sorry. You have the NBA, the NHL trade deadline, I believe is the first week in March. The NBA is in full swing and you have the NBA trade trade deadline on February 23rd. College basketball is in full swing and you have March madness starting the first week in March, you have the NFL free agency in the next couple of days starting spring training and basically all of spring training in the next month. The only thing that you are missing from this whole entire calendar is college football. And what's my favorite sport? Well, I, I agree with that, but where would you put, the best time it's, look, it's, for you. It is a great Labor Day weekend. It is a, it is a great time for sports. For me, it's a little bi- I'm a little biased for two reasons. Number one, as you said, now that National Signing Day is over, college football is for all intents moot until August. And because of my profession, where I'm working 8,327 hours a week during that during that time period, so I don't get to enjoy as much of as much of it as I, as I have become, as I was accustomed to in my, in my youth. Um, yeah, it's a great time. The NBA is kind see to me, the NBA is kind of in nowhere land at this point. Um, and I think, I think most people, most people think that is despite the enjoyment that the NBA has brought this year. Um, and it's been fun with the emergence of Harden as a true, as a superstar beyond even what anyone other else had anticipated. You know, Golden, but we're still looking at Golden State and Cleveland, and then everything else. Um, but yeah, it's a great time. It is a great. It is a great look. It's always a great time to be a sports fan, except in the summer, and that's when you play the sports because you shouldn't be sitting inside waiting. You know, aim, wait, waiting breathlessly for a Padres Astros baseball game because to me that would just be agonizing. So I mean, it's a fun, however, it's a fun time. However. However, you wouldn't mind going to a Padre Astro baseball game, provided you were in one of those two locations. Yes, if I happen to be doing a road trip in San Diego, which used to be my second, well, I guess my third home, um, I certainly wouldn't mind going to Pet, going back to Petco one more time and watching, watching you know one really mediocre franchise with, with at least some hope on the horizon. Um, it's a good time for sports. It is. It's a time, you know, it's not only a good time because you get to watch, as you said, college basketball now goes to the forefront, which is always a positive for both of us. Now that looks like both of our teams are going to go to the big dance. Um, Congrats on that, by the way. Um, You know, but it's also a time where we can start talking about the the combine, talking about the NFL draft, talking about, you know, free agency. So it's using your head as well. Plus, you know, we have NBA deals 
Uh, Serge Ibaka traded today. So it, it is, and it is for, you know, for those of you, whoa, for those of you who are huge baseball fans, you know, it, you know, it's hard to believe that we're already three months out of possibly the greatest world series of all time and about to restart, you know, it's about to start down, start down in Florida and Arizona. It's a, it is a fun time. I, I don't know if I'd say it's the best time, but it is, it, it is certainly one of them. So we'll get to the NBA trade. We're going we're gonna to cycle through all the sports, and then we'll get to the ownership in, in a second. News out of spring training today. So not only this year we don't have Jose Fernandez, and everybody knows why. We don't have Yavardo Ventura. We all know why. Today from, from Cardinals camp, Al Reyes, the 22-year-old pitcher, the phenom that throws 100 miles an hour, is out for the whole year. Tommy John surgery. Not in, not the greatest of ways for the Cardinals to start the spring training, but unfortunately, this is what you come accustomed to now: is that most pitchers are going to undergo this Tommy John surgery, which is basically the removal of a ligament from your leg and putting it into your knee, uh, putting it into your elbow. It's your which arm. Is yeah. Also. Yeah, into your elbow, the UCL, the ulnar collateral ligament is being replaced. And unfortunately, with spring training comes spring training injuries. And But the Mets have good hopes. They all, all pitchers hopefully are healthy. The Yankees are the young team this year, in the, the young team in the metropolitan area, which is very strange when you think about it. But we'll get to our baseball preview probably in the next couple of weeks. Maybe that will be the week that I am in New Zealand, and we'll have the the show live from New Zealand, the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show. Serge Ibaka traded today in the NBA, so the first of the dominoes may be falling. Toronto trades for, for Ibaka. They give up a first-round pick, and Terrence Ross. Now, I know you're not the uh, – the, astute NBA guy at this point because you have a whole lot going on, but your initial reaction on this trade? Oh, I like it for, look, Orlando never should have made the trade for Ibaka in the first place. It was the epitome to, to me of Ron, Rob Hennigan, who's been the GM there for four or five years. They haven't smelt a playoff spot and you get desperate. You know, the fan base gets restless you trade a put you know a, a stud, not to say a stud two guard in Oladipo, but a really up and rising guy for someone in my mind, Abaka, who is maybe not on the end of his maybe maybe near the tail end of his prime of his career, going to a team where there's no real there's no upside for him. Um, plus, with one year left on his contract, the trade to Toronto makes a lot of sense for a couple reasons. Number one. Toronto has a huge gap at power forward. Um, they have, I mean, they were playing their, the rookie from Utah, Podol, who's a seven-foot center at the four. They, Terrence Ross is a nice player, but not a huge, not a, you know, is an expendable part. And he's at, I believe, at the end of his contract as well. The first-round pick is either going to be theirs or the Clippers, so it's going to be somewhere in the mid-20s. But I think more importantly, what they see is been playing well. They've fallen to, I think, fourth in the conference behind Boston and Washington. But they're looking at this Cleveland team 
And the, the, the continuity, you know, Kevin Love is now going to be out for surgery for six weeks. The team is not playing as well as it has been in the past. And Toronto has to make a run at somebody to try and to see if, to see if there's something, to, to see if they can make that run. And you're not, look, you're not getting Carmelo. They're not going to get a Carmelo Anthony. They're not going to get someone of that regard. This, to me, you're giving up, you know, a, a nominal piece to get somebody who they may be able to sign long-term who said he is amenable to potentially signing there. I don't know if uh, Masih Jerry would have made the trade otherwise. Um, I like it for Toronto. I, th- I, think, I think it makes sense. I think this is a great trade for Toronto. Uh, Patrick Patterson was, has been out the last couple of games. He was the one starting at the power forward. He's a much better guy coming off the bench than he is a starter. Abaka slides right in there with Jonas, and I can never pronounce the last name of that guy. Lowry is a good distributor. And remember, Jonas is not the greatest of defensive players. So having a guy that, you're right, he's not in the prime anymore, but he is a stretch four like there is no stretch four. He is a defensive player and then shoots almost 40% from three. Where are these 40% from three, six, ten guys coming from? It's like... Remember when we had Nicholas uh, Chichka? Remember the guy that the guy from Denver? The Nuggets? Yeah, the yeah, guy Chichka Billy, something like that. And he was supposed to be this guy, right? He was supposed to be the guy that could do this. And now, all of a sudden, it's like every six ten guy can shoot thirty, forty percent from three, while the point guards aren't making that, and it. It's just a change in the game, and I don't know if it's a change for the better, but it's certainly a change for the game. No question about that. Terrence Ross, you're right, an expendable piece, but I think you have to look at this trade not in light of the Oladipo trade. I think that that, that's a sunk cost, right? You can't really go back and say, well, we effectively traded Terrence Ross and a first-round pick for Victor Oladipo. Oladipo and the and um, Sabonis, right? You can't do that. But as I, that, the only reason I did that was to give context on why Orlando made the trade in the first place. Um, it turned okay. out to be a disastrous trade for because they needed a. It was kind of like the Nets making the run, and the Nets, of course, still suffering for it, making the run for Pierce and Garnett when they were a mediocre playoff team thinking that was going to get them to the title. Was it, was it probably was the right move? No, but King, Billy King wanted to keep his job. And yep. this was a way to bring excitement and bring, you know, in, in his mind, a worthy gamble. I mean, in my I'll mind, I mean, we talked about it on the show. We thought it was a disaster. And it's been even worse and than that. I'll tell you, the best part about this trade for Orlando is not the first-round pick. It's not even Terrence Ross. It's the fact that Aaron Gordon is going to go back to being a four. Aaron Gordon has been masking himself as a three the entire year, and that's because of this trade, because they made a big deal to get Biakbo from Toronto, which is surprising, because if Biakbo had just re-signed with Toronto, none of this would have happened, because... (laughs) Abaka wouldn't have been necessary. Abaka probably wouldn't have been traded. And if he was traded, 
it would have been fine because then he would have played the five and Gordon would have played the four, and then Ibaka would have been in a better position for him. Uh, it, it was just a mess down in Orlando. So Aaron Gordon goes back to where he should be playing. And, look, you watched a lot more of Aaron Gordon when he was in college, but there's a reason that this guy was a top-ten pick, and it wasn't because yeah. of his rebounding. The man is I mean, an extraordinary athlete. And I think, I mean, if I remember correctly, he went number five. I could be wrong. Oh, excuse me. But I wasn't sure if five or six, so I said ten. Fair enough, but that team—the the reality is that team is just the players that they have that they have drafted, the, the moves that have been made. You know, bringing Alfred Payton was supposed to be a, was supposed to be a partial answer. It hasn't been. Um, Abaka, not an answer. Gore, you know, they have they have some nice, they have a few moving parts, but the Biombo, you know, they had Nicholas Vukovic at center to bring in Biombo. I mean, again, I'm not sure where per se they're going with this. I think this is. You know, I, I understand the Nets are a disaster, but I understand why the Nets are a disaster, and I understand that it's going to take a few. You know, this was done out of two or three stupid trades. Orlando has just been down there forever, and I just don't see I don't see them coming out of this anytime in the near future. Well, Orlando's been mediocre, and part of the reasoning that. I believe Rob Hennigan, when you look at these pieces, these pieces are all very good in isolation. Alfred Payton is a good point guard. Aaron Gordon is a tremendous athlete. Serge Ibaka is a good player. Vukovic is a good player. And Biakabo is a good player. But this is not a fantasy league team. This is a team. Where on God's green earth do you find shooting in those five guys? There isn't any. Nobody can step outside. Nobody can hit a 20-footer. And Alfred Payton is this year's answer to Rajon Rondo, where it's let's just back off of him 20 feet and dare him to shoot. And that's a huge problem. And I think with Terrence Ross, that'll be solved. And I think they'll be able to re-sign probably Ross to a good deal. Not a great deal. A good deal. But we'll see what happens. And you know what? the NBA, Like I said, the NBA trading deadline – is not next week, but the week after. So maybe next week we'll talk more about the types of deals we would like to see. And maybe there will be a couple of more deals before then. Uh, Derek Williams signed with the the Derek Williams, the number two pick in the draft way, way back when, signed with Cleveland earlier this week. And then today it's announced that Kevin Love is out six weeks with a knee surgery, one that I had. And, It'll take six weeks for him to get back at least. What a great pickup by Cleveland on a minimum salary contract. Yeah. Um, he's bounced around a lot. And, you know, similar to a lot of the malcontents going to New England in football and they find their place, i.e. Garrett Blanc, where you have, you have a specific pecking order. Um, obviously, I'm not going to compare Bill Belichick to a Tyrone Lou, but Thank you. you have LeBron, you have Kyrie, you have Ke- you have you know that is your pecking order, and either you fit in or you get out. And Williams, you know, has always been in a position where he he was brought in to be more than it looks like he could be, and that's the expectation of a sec of a number two overall pick. And here he's coming in to fill a role. 
And if he can, you know, and I know LeBron's been happy with his play. So, you know, for the next couple of months, while they may try and maintain and they should maintain the top overall, top overall spot in, in the Eastern conference, it's certainly a logical, it's certainly a logical move. Plus anything to keep LeBron happy at this point, I think David Griffin, Griffin is forced to do considering his voice displeasure about so many other things. I would agree with that. Two more things, and then we'll get on to the ownership. One uh, revolves around your sport, which I know almost nothing about, and that's boxing. Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather. We have had don't this. Don't care. Wait, you don't care? Really? Don't care. It's pointless. It's a stupid fight, and... I have no interest. I have no interest in. I wouldn't pay for it. I wouldn't go to attend it. Um, I, I have. It does nothing for me. If I'm not particularly interested, I'm not interested in the fight. You know, Conor, Conor McGregor is a is a very good MMA fighter, a great personality, and maybe he's a great MMA fighter, but. He wouldn't be in my top two or three. Or he wouldn't be in my top two. He may be in my he may be my number three. But you know, he's he's just he's a great salesman. He's a great talker. Mayweather I have no interest I didn't enjoy watching Mayweather fight when he was fighting in his prime. And he was fighting not he wasn't fighting the best fighters out there. I certainly have no have no real interest in you know I would watch it on ABC, I'd watch it on ESPN. But I'll be damned if I'm going to watch. I'm going to pay seventy bucks to watch to, to give these guys more money. Screw that. No interest in the fight whatsoever. All right. He's an then. MMA fighter. He's really? not a boxer. So next time I ask you a question about MMA, please be forthright and tell me how you really feel because <laughs> this wasn't obvious. Okay. Two more things. Two more things. It looks like. Um, Manchester City has gotten Carly Lloyd to play True. in the FA Women's Super League. Any does this mean anything for US soccer? No, I not really. I mean the US Women's Soccer League has never been particularly successful to begin with. And and I mean even the women's even the WNBA which has lasted 25 years and it's had a, has a lot it's had a lot more success. You see a lot of the big players, a Diana Taurasi, you know, a, a Sue Bird, go play overseas in Russia for more for better money. So that doesn't surprise me. In this, I mean, I'll be honest. I don't really follow women's soccer outside of the Olympics and World Cup, but it doesn't surprise me that the better money, especially Man City, which is owned uh, by one of the richest people in the world, probably gave probably you know probably tripled, quadrupled, quintupled. Carly salary playing for the Houston Dynamo. So it doesn't shock me in the slightest. Okay. You're New York football giants releasing the salsa man. They had to. Thoughts? Um, they had to. You know, we all love Victor Cruz. There's nothing. The story is great. That the, you know, the undrafted free agent who catches a touchdown in the Super Bowl in his rookie year takes over kind of a more abundant franchise in regards to his personality, uh, you know, he, he plays on, you know, a Super Bowl, a Super Bowl team. 
you know, but he had been out, he had been injured for two years. He came back. He's now the number three wide out. I'm sure what happened on the boat didn't help. And his salary is a top 10 for, for a wide out. It's I think top 10 in the league. And I wouldn't, they, they did what they had to do. He knew it was coming. The Giants knew it was coming. Every Giant fan knew it was most likely coming. You, you know, a lot of times when you say you wish, you know, like we, like we saw, when you saw Kevin Durant in, in uh, coming back to Oklahoma City, you know, the, the wishing best of luck is not, usually, is not often, is often not real. I believe every Giant fan truly wishes Victor Cruz the best of luck wherever he ends up. Okay. And finally, before we get to our main subject of the night, the Canadians have fired Michelle Therion today and replaced him with Claude Julian, which adds a whole lot of intrigue to the NHL season because Claude Julian was of formerly of the Boston Bruins. The Boston Bruins, yes. Um, actually, Boston I was going to ask you about this because I found this a little bit confusing. Um, Julian okay. has had a very nice Ten-year, you know, nice run in Boston. Won, won a Stanley Cup. Went to one or two other. But Montreal is leading the Eastern Conference. What am I missing here? Well, what you're missing is that the Canadians have not played very well as of late. They are one five and one in February, and they got off to a tremendous start. I think they went 11-2 and two in their first 13 or something along those lines. So they are first in the Eastern Conference, no question about that. The issue isn't whether they're first, second, or third. The question is, what have they done lately? And so they are 31-19. and 19. They're, They're 3-6-1 in their last 10. They've lost their last two. And let's assume they went 11-2 in their first 13, which I think was correct. So if you take that off, they've gone 20-17 and 17 since. That's a 500 record, relatively. So that's what – now, what's surprising is that if, because Claude Julian was still under contract with the Bruins, the Canadians had to ask – the Bruins for permission to sign Julian. Now, remember, you and I, have we just discussed about Victor Cruz and how every Giants fan wishes Victor Cruz some goodwill. I think Claude Julian actually holds the same prestige in Boston because for a rival, and the Bruins and Canadians are rivals, no question, they're in the same division, the Canadians are six points ahead of the Bruins. For the Bruins to actually give permission for this says to me that they hold Julian in a tremendous amount of respect. I do wonder. I, I, I agree they do. I do wonder if the fans are going to feel the same way simply because of where he's going. Um, and again, the, Bru- the Bruins-Canadian rivalry is not the same as it was in the 60s and 70s, and I understand that. But it is strange to see someone, I guess also the difference being, as I said, Julian was fired. It's, it's hard to, 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 it's hard to feel, you know, it's hard to, uh, not articulate this very well, 
you know, to hold against someone when they get fired from a job to be able to have the right to take another one. But I do wonder if there's going to be any, if there's a small bout of reticence from, from a small amount of annoyance from, from Boston fans simply because of where he's going. Not because he's taking another head coaching I, job, but because it's in Montreal. I have no argument with that. In fact, I would completely agree with you in that. Absolutely. But I think, it, I think Julian's the right move. If, if they were going to fire Tarion, Julian's the best guy you got out there. And it doesn't hurt that he knows your rivalry, your rival's team. Very, very well. And, both. and he knows the whole division, Seth. It's not even – he's been – playing in that division for the last 10 years. So it's not as if he has to go and do scouting on each of these teams. He knows them, and he knows the Canadians even more so, right? Because he's been scouting them for the last 10 years. For the last 10 years. So, yeah, this makes perfect sense. So, okay. So back to our original question of this year, of this week. Do you love your owner? And we're going to go through each of our respective owners, and I'd like a yes or a no from you. And then we'll go to what, who we believe are the best owners. And the reason this is such an impetus is because of the passing of Mike Illich this week, uh, the, the beloved owner of the Red Wings and the – sorry, the Red Wings and the Tigers. And, the Tigers. and at one point – when the Pistons were looking to, to move, he offered to buy them just so they wouldn't move. He was the consummate owner that you would want on your that you'd want for your team. And then you have the other side. <laughs> Come on. And we'll get to him it. in a second. We'll get to him in a second. I'm not even going there yet. All right. So you got your force. You got your four teams. They are different than my four teams, which makes it great for this conversation. You tell me. Do you love Mikhail Prokof? God no. I mean, there's nothing really to love about Prokof. He moved. First of all, I'm a Jersey guy. He moved to Jersey. He moved the team to Brooklyn, which. I understood. Oh, doesn't no, 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 me, no, but no. I understood. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. Bruce Ratner did. Was that before? He did not Ratner did that. that, but didn't that did that happen before? I guess it did start before prior to the. Uh, that's right. It started prior to the move. Um, yes. He is, you know, he is somebody who claims to, you know, he he comes in talking how he's going to take over the NBA. You know, you know, take over. You know, within five years, they'll have a championship, or he'll do something. He'll sell the team. He brings in the wrong guys. He brings in the wrong, the wrong management. Um, it's a play toy for him. And you know, I'm, I don't expect everyone to have the same love of a team. You know, it's it's it, as, as a generational one, say like a McCluskey in, in Chicago, um, or you know, or however you want to put it, but no, I mean, the team is a disaster. He, he was, he was only interesting to him. It only seemed interesting to him when the team was good and he didn't, he didn't know what he was doing. And now the team is pretty much, although they play very hard, the team is on the 
is not going anywhere through the end of the decade. I am not okay. a huge fan. So, so, so let me play devil's advocate, and I assume we're going to be doing this back and forth. Okay. With the fact that Mikel Prokop, now granted, he didn't know what he was doing. They are, at, they are probably done until the later part of this decade. I think they have to flop. They definitely have to flop picks this year. Is this the last of the years, or is there next year I as well? I'm, I'm I not think sure. next year. I think next, next year. year as well. And it's not a flip. Next year is a give. Next year is yeah, a because they, give. Because you can't give so, back. You can't give away back to back ones. So right. So they had. They, that's why there's a flip this year. Are you at least positive about the fact that he will spend money on this team? There are lots of owners out there that won't spend any money on their team. Now, granted, he made rookie mistakes, and they were, right? The first couple of years, rookie mistakes. But he spent and spent, and I can say spend again because he was the only guy paying the luxury tax for one year and paying like six times what it should have been. Are you at least encouraged by the fact that you have an owner like that? I wonder if... He lost a lot of money, I believe, since that time period. I do wonder, you know, if he if he would if he would spend again at this. Um, but yes, if the money is there, he I, I he will spend it. I just don't know if he I don't know if it's available. Okay, fair enough. All right, so let's go to your second owner of your of your New York Yankees. How <laughs> the Steinbrenner family, right? The Steinbrenner family certainly is a big change from, from Big George. We don't hear as much about them. And by the way, if you'd like to call in 760-283-0846, 760-283-0846. The Steinbrenners are obviously a different faction of the Steinbrenner group, but still they have the name Steinbrenner. They're still owned by the family, and they are run by the family. And that is their business, unlike Mikhail Prokhorov, who has a 1,000 different businesses. Are you a fan of the Steinbrenners? Not particularly. And it's almost hypocritical because it's, because it's their only business, but it's not a business that they earn. It's a business that they, that they took over, and they took it over with arrogance. Um, if you remember back you know, to, I believe they were the ones who pushed hard for the A-Rod re-signing. They're, they've been quieter in recent years because they came off so badly to begin with. Um, they, you know, I don't mind them not spending as much. I'm happy that they're, that they're kind of in a rebuilding mode as, as weird as that sounds. Cause it's, it's taking a long-term approach. You know, the, the team that George Steinbrenner ran 30, 40, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, that league is no longer in existence where he could run it over with his mouth and his ego and his money. So I, I'm, I'd say, I guess I'm indifferent. I, I'm not huge fans of them. I don't know how knowledgeable they are. I don't know how good they are at what they do, considering they've been in the business. Plus, there's been issues with the daughter and her husband, who was like a, an executive VP and all that jazz. Um, I'm, I'm not a huge fan. Um, I, I can't lie. I'm not a huge fan. Okay. The one thing that I love about the Steinbrenners, and it took a while for them to get to this point, and maybe it's my love of Brian Cashman more than it is George any of the Steinbrenners is the fact that they are now leaving him to the business, to the baseball business. They do the, they do the money. 
and they give Cashman what Cashman needs. And to me, a big selling point for the Steinbrenners to me was last year's sell-off. Because in the past, that never would have happened. They never would have been able, Cashman never would have been able to do that. So, devil's advocate, maybe they're coming around. Again, maybe, just maybe, first time, not really, gotcha. not really knowing but what the, they're doing. But the difference is, you know, you brought up Prokolov first time not knowing what he's doing. And he had run a bunch of businesses before, but he'd never run a basketball team. So, uh, basically, sure. so I understand that, that argument. But mm-hmm. Steinbrenners have never done, as far as I know, and I'm not an expert on their, on their history, but as far as I know, this is, all, this is really what they've worked in for the last 5, 10, 15 years. They should know this business, whether they were owners previously or not. They should have been prepared. Okay, that's fair. Okay, let's move on to your Giants, who I believe are one of the best ownership groups in in sports. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. No one's going to really argue with the Maritish um, ownership when you when you think of the the best franchises in sports in football. You know, it, it, usually you go back to the traditional you know to the traditional structures of the Roonies in Pittsburgh. Uh, the the, the Mara, Mara and Rooney in New York, um, you know Chicago was by Hallis and McCluskey for many years. Of course, they've been kind of a crap show the last ten years, but um, they're the most they're among the most well respected people in the sport. They're beloved by their fans. Anyone has a bad word to say about them, um, they're, you know it they give as good as they give their they give their and what's good and something that Pittsburgh does as well. They give their coaches time and their GMs time. I mean, think about it. Jim Fossil was on his way out, you know, after four or five years. He goes to the, you know, gets to the Super Bowl. Coughlin, they gave a punch, you know, was, people were wanting him out. He, he wins two Super Bowls for them. Um, they give people time. And that's what you need to do. You know, Jerry Reese caught a lot of grief. And, you know, from myself as well. They may have given him too much time. But, I, you know, I don't mind that. It's not like a player you're overpaying three years out of his prime. It's a GM, you know, you're giving one extra year or two. Okay, let's see what happens. I, 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 think, they're, I think they're beloved. I think they're well-respected, both in the NFL world and by Giants fans. I think what's interesting is the Maras owned it for so long by themselves. And when we were kids, maybe teenagers, they had to sell a piece of it. Tim Mara sold his piece to Bob Tisch. Right. You don't hear a lot out of Bob Tisch. And I'm not sure if that is planned. I'm not sure if that is by accident. But you really don't hear a lot about him. And he certainly didn't rock the boat, which I think is, was the best part to take away, in that he's still a majority owner. I think they own it 50-50. But – you don't hear from Bob Tish at all. Okay, moving on to the Devils, the last team. And quite frankly, I had to look up who owned the Devils. I, I didn't yeah, know. I, it, I, I really don't have a heck of a uh, – know too much about the Devils' ownership. And the, the Devils have always had, been, had this strange place in the metropolitan area. I mean, they've been the most successful franchise probably over the last 20 years out of anyone, but have by far the smallest, the smallest fan base. Um, 
you know, they, they, uh, the guy who owns it also owns the 76ers, I believe, Josh Harris, um, if I remember yep. correctly. Because there was a huge, there was a, there was a bit of an issue over this. Um, the devil, you know, they'll spend. It seems that they'll spend the money when the money where the money is there. Um, you know, their 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 arenas in Newark is a nice is not a bad arena by any stretch. Um, they the problem is the problem. You know, they'll spend the money. The problem is they just don't have a fan base. They never have. And I can't blame that on the owners. I mean, the owner seems perfectly fine to me. The good part about hockey and basketball and football to a certain degree, and you can make the case for all three, is that because of the salary cap and because of the limits in which you can and can't spend and even the salary floor for some of these teams. Now, I understand Prokoff is is a different story, but you have to spend money. You don't have to spend all of it but you have to spend a certain amount. So it's very hard to tell Josh Harris he's not a good owner because he doesn't spend money because they all have to spend to a certain degree. So it's whether, to me, whether it's a good situation, if it's fluid, if it is, if it's stable. Stable ownership to me is the most important thing in sports. And we'll get to that when we discuss our favorite ownership uh, either entities or whatnot. So I'll move on to mine. Um, the Mets, I, I, I sigh because I'm incredibly torn with the Mets. The Mets are a big market team with a small market payroll, and that's because Fred Wilpon invested with Bernie Madoff. No question about it. That's exactly what happened. So they signed the top free agent this year in Cespedes, but nobody in their right mind thought that they were going to sign him. Every time you hear about a young player in the Mets organization, the Mets fans are looking to see how much time he has left on his contract because you don't anticipate the Mets re-signing that guy. They have a tremendous stadium. I love City Field. I love going to City Field. But the product on the field, what has happened in the last 10 to 15 years as far as being in the top market but having a middle payroll, to me, is unsatisfactory. As you said, this is is a franchise that has been derided for a variety of reasons, one of them being made off. I'm surprised you're actually that – I don't want to say delicate, but that optimistic, I guess, in regards to the Wilpons. Because I remember there was a time where you were not quite as uh, you were not quite as not you were not quite as positive on them, I guess. Well, I think Seth, I think I'm resigned to it. Any other guy, if this name if his name was not Fred Wilpon and his name was Frank McCourt, he would have had to sell the team because he was because Fred Wilpon is a buddy of Bud Selig. Everybody knows this is the reason he didn't have to sell the team. He got a loan from Major League Baseball to keep the operational expenses going. I don't know if I'm just resigned to the fact that this is our ownership for right now and probably going forward and hopeful. I, I guess I'm hopeful because there are some big-ticket items coming off 
and he has put the right guy. Look, Sandy Alderson is the right guy for the Mets. Terry Collins seems to have been pushing the right buttons as the right guy for the Mets. When you talk about stability, the Mets have stability. I'm just not sure they have enough money to keep it. <laughs> I guess we'll see in a couple of, couple of years. Okay. I'm going to leave the worst for last because I know there's a big talk coming on about that. Woody, the new ambassador to Ireland under Donald Trump. Sorry, (laughs) President Donald Trump. Because I'm the first person to say that anytime somebody mentions that man's name, it should say president first. You respect the office. Under President Trump, Woody Johnson is a horrible owner. <laughs> I don't have any other way to say it. Where is Leon Hess? Like seriously, where is Leon? I know he's died. I know he's dead. I know it. But man, ever since Woody Johnson has come the Jets owner, I think there are. I think there's maybe two teams in in the NFL that have had more coaches that have had more general managers. Stability is not this man's game. He doesn't spe- he spends some money, but he spends it on the wrong guys. The NFL salary cap helps him out. But please, for heaven's sake, stay in Ireland. Give somebody else the ownership for a while. Let's see if it works out. Go go make more talcum powder or baby powder or whatever you do in Johnson and Johnson. Please, keep your hands off my green and white. Horrendous. Not much argument. <laughs> yeah, I got um, nothing. No, no I, I agree. So, okay. on, to, on, on to the Rangers. Excuse you? No, oh, the Islanders. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm a Ranger. <laughs> Excuse you? Even Jake is laughing at me on this one. The the funny part is we can talk about the Rangers next when we talk about the Knicks and how there is a difference between the two teams and how they're run, because there is. And they're owned by the same guy. The Islanders. John Ledecky, Scott Malkin, new to the game. They only came in last year. They bought the team from Charles Wang. I think Charles Wang gets a really bad rap. And people, and Islander fans, I believe, give him a bad rap because they believe they're in Barclays because of Charles Wang. They're not in Barclays because of Charles Wang. They're in Barclays because of politicians in Nassau County. Charles Wang offered to put up his own money to make, this, to make the Coliseum better, a new Coliseum, he offered to put up money for, and Nassau County just said they, they were playing chicken. They said, go, go if you want. Well, he left. And now we're stuck in this stupid, awful arena. Yeah, I'm not pulling punches on Barclays. I think I've gotten through this already. But hopefully, Ledecky and Malkin have talked about a Queens arena or using another site. I have a hard time. I'm struggling with the fact that there's going to be more money spent on another venue in this area. But, damn, I'm hopeful. i got to be hopeful. 
As far as keeping Garth Snow, I don't know. I wasn't a big fan. Still not a big fan. I think at the end of the year, you're going to see him replaced. New ownership generally means my guy. So we'll see if Garth Snow stays. Again, the Islanders are the Islanders and have a very niche fan base, much like the Devils. So it's very hard to find fault with these guys other than just keeping stability. Now we can go on to the Rangers and the Knicks. Chucky, baby. Chucky. Anytime you get into a fight with a former player who happens to be one of the most popular former players ever to throw on that team's uniform and escort him out of an arena and then tell him he's banned from said arena for life, you're never going to get me to agree with you. Ever. I have a lot. Look, I was begging for Phil Jackson for a long time, and he went and got him. So I don't have a complaint about him. I got a, I don't have a complaint for Charles Dolan, James Dolan, about Phil Jackson. I don't. I have a complaint about Phil Jackson for Phil Jackson. The complaint I have is before Phil Jackson when he had Donnie Walsh down. And he made this lovely trade for one Carmelo Anthony where he gave up about ten times what he was worth. But hopefully he's learned and he stayed out of the basketball picture and left it to Phil Jackson. Now that's just on Phil Jackson. Amazingly, he doesn't run the Rangers the same way he runs the, uh, runs the Knicks. I wish he would run them the same way and stay the hell out. That's all you got? The Knicks will not win a championship with, with, with James Dolan as their owner. That's what I'll say. They will never win a championship with him. That's what I got. Well, it's similar to, you know, in a lot of ways to someone else who's been in the headlines over the last few months, you know, in New York, mostly negative. Um, you know, this is a guy, he's a truck fund. His father started Cablevision. You know, he had no business, and he was, he was given the CEO ship. Not qualified, probably not smart enough, although I'm not, a hundred percent sure on that. Um, so, not surprising, you know. He is, yeah. You know, the team, the, the range, the Knicks. Excuse me. For the twelve years before he took over, went to the playoffs. Went to, went to the NBA Finals twice. Um, in the seventeen years since, they've made the playoffs six times in one playoff, one one playoff series. One. I don't think, you know, and I'm trying to think about this right now. Maybe the Bullets, maybe the Wizards. I'm trying to think of a franchise that has been that, that bad for that long. I mean, the Nets went to two finals. The Kings were probably the best team in the league. I'm trying to think of the really, really bad franchises. There is nobody who has really matched the amount of mediocrity you know, that – Dolan that the Knicks have have had under Dolan, plus the embarrassment of Larry Brown and Isaiah Thomas and Stephon Marbury and these scandals and this and that. You know, he's a joke. 
there's no other way to put it. He is a joke. And, you know, you were more delicate about it. I'm not a Knicks fan. I could care less. You know, he, he is despised. And he will continue to be despised most likely until the day he sells this team. If he ever sells this team. Even if they win a, I mean, maybe it'll change to a degree when they win a, if they win a championship. But they are as far from that as just about any franchise in the in, in the NBA at this point. So you know, we'll, we'll see it. Which we'll, is the total I, I don't know. Yeah, it's the total opposite of Mike Illich, which is the reason why we started this. Mike Illich, who passed away in Detroit, Mister I, as everybody knew him. Um. Spent money for for the Tigers. Spent money when he shouldn't have spent money for the Tigers. Brought the Tigers out of what they would be a recession in the in the early aughts. The Red Wings, when the Red Wings were having a horrible time in the eighty in the eighties, and they have made the playoffs sixteen straight sixteen straight years. So, if you had to pick present or past. And let's say past within our lifetime. The top five owners, and if you can pick, well, let's pick one per sport. If you could pick two, two per sport. If you could pick two owners for football, who would you pick and why? We got about nine minutes, so let's make this quick. I would probably go with, probably go with Rooney and Pittsburgh. And I guess I'm thinking. I guess you either look at the Giants, or you look at Belichick. I mean, Belichick. You look at Robert Kraft, New England, or you look at the Petersons in Kansas City, uh, or the Strands in Kansas City. I, uh, I no, guess I go with the Giants. The Hunts. The okay, the you Hunts, mean the yeah. Hunts in Kansas City? The Hunts in Kansas. City. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'd probably go something along those lines. Okay, so the two that I would pick, and you're going you're gonna to be very confused by my pick. Number one is definitely the Roonies. The Roonies have been as patient with any team. Now, I'm not saying the whole family here. I'm saying the guy. I would want Al Davis as my owner. He was impetuous, yes, but there is no owner. I believe in our lifetime that loved his team more, about more than Al Davis. What's that? Yeah, they said who cared more about his team. Yeah, none. So I would pick Al Davis in the NFL. Okay, if we're going to the NBA, uh, I'll go first uh, in the NBA. Jerry Buss. Nobody was better for the NBA than Jerry Buss. He won, he spent, he cared. And to me, those are the three most important things, winning, spending, and caring. And it didn't hurt that he had Magic Johnson, James Worthy, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on the team, but he did. Number two, and I'll say it for the same reason, he cared, and that would be Abe Polian in Washington. And, I, you know, the, the difference with I'm throwing out guys, is these guys, this was their life. This was their business. A lot of these companies, a lot of these owners, this is part and parcel 
This isn't their business. This is just one section of their business. But for these guys, this was their business. And those two guys, and maybe it's because I spent a lot of time in D.C., as did you, but we hear stories of Abe Polian and his tremendous gifts to the community. And I think that that plays a big role in it. Yeah, I, I would go with you in one out of two. Jerry Buss probably was the preeminent owner in the NBA for the exact reason. He brought style. He brought panage. He, you know, he really helped introduce new generation at that point, the, the new generation in the, in the early 80s with Magic and, and Kareem. And then I'm going to go with the owner who, who, who kind of similarly, although it's not his only entity, certainly care, seems to care more than just about anyone else, you know, and sticks up for his team, sim, simply kind of the Al Davis-esque of the NBA, and that's Mark Cuban. We'll go above and beyond, and sometimes a little bit too far beyond. But this is a man who truly cares about everything related to his, his beloved Mavericks. Absolutely. Fair, fair point, fair point. Okay, we got to move. We got four minutes. So for Major League Baseball, I'll take George Steinbrenner. I will. He was uh, he was the Al Davis of, of Major League Baseball. But I will take him and I will take Mike Illich for the same reason I said before. So Steinbrenner and Illich. Baseball owners. Uh, I guess you have to go with Steinbrenner just because of the impact that he had. Um, some people say it is a positive. Some people say it is a negative. Um, it's a... <laughs> It is arguable in a variety of ways. Um, there's another on the baseball side that does it for me. I don't think I'd, I don't think I would have Illich there. I'll be honest. I don't know enough about Illich as a baseball owner um, to determine. I don't even think I have a baseball owner that I feel that I kind of feel that way about. I'm kind of going through the teams quickly in my head. I just don't have one. If I come okay. up with one before the um, end of the show. I'll, I'll, oh, Ted Turner. I think, uh, uh, fair enough. Who, okay, so okay. hockey, very quickly. Um, I'm going to put Illich there again. I, I think, look, there, there's nobody. You read, the, you read the stories about Illich. There's nobody better than Illich. And I'm going to leave it at that. We have 90 seconds left. So, Seth, give me your hockey guys. I'll go with very Illich quickly. as well. I'll go with Illich as well. Okay. He, he just breathes. He just breeds that contentment, you know, the continuity that you want, especially in hockey. All yours. Yours to finish. So we got one minute left. We're going to try and do something like this every single week, so we'll post that on Facebook so you will have a chance to call in if you'd like. We, it, it's been an interesting week for Syracuse sports with the untimely death of Fabrizio Mello. And I got 60 seconds to spat about this. This guy couldn't have won in, in, in basketball. He was a great talent that was on his third language when he came to Syracuse. He got some extra tutoring. Somebody wrote a paper for him. That's wrong. No question about it. But there was a trustee this week when he passed away that said, why are we mourning this kid when he caused all these sanctions? That's just wrong. He didn't cause the sanctions. This is an 18, 19-year-old kid that comes from Brazil. Absolutely wrong. Wrong place to be. Got to go. For Seth Kamins, this has been Sean Ballmer, backsportsgames.com. 
Seth and Sean Sports Radio. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week. Happy Valentine's Day. See ya. Have a good one.